Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 709. Chapter 109, Barbarians and Madmen. Truthfully, I wanted nothing more than to make my way back to Severin. I wanted to sleep in a bed again and take advantage of the mayor's favor while it was still fresh in his mind. I wanted to find Denna and make things right between us. But Tempe was in trouble for teaching me. I couldn't simply run off and leave him to face that by himself. What's more, the Cathay had told me Denna had already left Severin behind. Though I hardly needed a prophetic fairy to tell me that. I'd been gone for a month, and Denna was never the sort to let grass grow under her feet. So the next morning, our group parted ways. Dayton, Hespi, and Martin were going south to Severin to report to the mayor and collect their pay. Tempe and I were heading northeast towards the Stormwall and Ademra. You sure you don't want me to take him the box? Dayton asked for the fifth time. I promised the mayor I'd return any monies to him personally, I lied. But I do need you to give him this. I handed the big mercenary the letter I'd written the night before. It explains why I had to make you the leader of the group. I grinned. You might get a bonus out of it. Dayton puffed up importantly as he took hold of the letter. Standing nearby, Martin made a noise that could have been a cough. As Tempe and I traveled, I managed to coax a few details from the mercenary. Eventually, I learned it was customary for someone of his social standing to gain permission before he took a student of his own. Complicating matters was the fact that I was an outsider, a barbarian. In the end of the page, I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. And Nick is... Uh, on travels of his own, perhaps uh, to fable the Demra beyond the Stormwall. Say, so I would be pretty offended if Nick went to Demra without us. Just mm. So what do you make of this page, Jordana? What's leaping out to you? I really enjoy the sentence, Denna was never the sort to let grass grow under her feet. I feel like I haven't heard it before. Obviously I have because I've read this book. But it it like it makes so much sense. And it's so... Like, it feels both unique and yet completely understandable at the same time, and I really like this sentence and wanted to tell you about it. Our our customary cursory Google tells me that this is a phrase that exists in the English language. Uh, it's referenced in, in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, uh, but it's unclear from when it is attested. I'm not, it's not clear if this is a really old-fashioned expression or not. I also wonder, like, maybe this is an expression that they use more where Rothfuss is from? In Wisconsin, perhaps. Yes. Perhaps it's a regionalism. Um, okay, so there's that. There's also the box that uh, Kvothe does not want to leave with Dayton for multiple reasons? Question mark? I mean, yeah. If I was Kvothe, I also would not trust Dayton with this box that's full of money. I think Kvothe is right to not trust these people, these, let's face it, mercenaries, you know, goons for hire, essentially. They're nice goons, we like them, but they are they are hired goons. I would not trust a bunch of hired goons with a box full of cash that I was supposed to be retrieving for a powerful man who had hired me for that purpose. I also, though, I feel like the reason he's not giving them him, him the box is not necessarily because he doesn't trust him. I feel like there's another reason, and I'm not, I can't quite put my finger on it. Like, it, I feel like the, I don't think the reason is for spending it himself. I don't think that makes any sense. Well, can I put forward to you a possible uh, secondary motive? Sure, yes. He says earlier that he wants 
to take advantage of the mayor's favor while it's still fresh in his mind, right? Uh, and the the attentions of the rich and powerful are notoriously fickle, and the mayor's attentions have proved fickle too. Once Quoth had kind of gotten him in good with Mellow and Lackless, he didn't have that much more use for him. He kind of sent him off on an errand to get rid of him, right? He didn't want to be bothered with him anymore. Um, so it's possible that a reason that Quoth uh, is retaining custody of the box is so that when he does return to Severin, the mayor will remember who he is and be like, oh, right, you're the guy I sent to stop those bandits and here you've got my tax money. Better late than never, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But he, you know, Quoth also took it into Faye with him, right? Like, he's had it on him this whole time and his stated reason has always been that, like, even normally good people will give into temptation when there's a big box full of money, you know, right under their noses. Like, you know, you couldn't trust me with a briefcase full of cold, hard cash. Even if it belonged to, to Nick or I, you would spend our cold, hard cash, Jeremy? Well, perhaps not. But if John Tory left a, a, a <laughs> briefcase full of his Rogers money in my possession, I wouldn't think yeah. twice about it. Definitely. Yeah, certainly. I agree, actually. Yes. <laughs> I would, in fact, happily spend that money Indeed. on local businesses. <laughs> That's right. It would be going into the sex workers and blow fund faster than you can uh, shake a stick at. So, you know, I think, you know, trust but verify is a is a good um, a good way to think about it, you know, and there's no reason to put you know, people in a morally compromising position if you don't have to. He manipulates Dayton in a way that other characters recognize as a clever and ultimately harmless manipulation. Yes, agreed. Manipulation, okay, as long as it's harmless. <laughs> <laughs> and who gets to define what harmless is? I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm saying that other people might. No, I, I, I'm mostly joking. <laughs> but like he and Martin have already kind of talked about how to go about handling Dayton. Like Dayton is a person that they both just have to handle. And Quoth has gotten better at handling Dayton in a way where Dayton doesn't give him any trouble because he thinks that he's been given an important job to do. And he, there might be some money in it for him, for example. You may recall I said mostly joking and not entirely joking. And I think that applies to how he's applying it to Dayton in that it's not that Dayton's a child, but some of his qualities are similar to those of a child in that the like the seeking of, of praise and attention is sort of still there, right? He's a creature of the id in that way, right? Yes. He wants people to think of him as like important and uh, he's a bit blustery and full of himself. Yep. Do you have any other notes on this page? I think that might be it. The only... Other thing that I want to call attention to is Quoth is kind of restating his motives for uh, for going with Tempe. And we debated this a lot on yesterday's episode. Uh, and Quoth kind of lays it out here plain as day. Like, and I think it actually, I, I am perhaps Quoth's biggest stan on this podcast. Uh, my, my catchphrase has been Quoth did nothing wrong. And this is a case where I'm like, I take Quoth at his word here where he ultimately his primary motivation is like he wants to help his friend who is in trouble and it's Quoth's fault. Yes. Okay. I see that. Yes. 
And then, obviously, there are secondary factors that are contributing to that decision. Like, yes, the Cathay did uh, kind of in- insinuate that he should go beyond the Stormwall to find his answers about the Chandrian. Yes, Denna's probably not even back in Severin. But he also says, like, there's nothing more that I wanted than to go back to Severin. Like, that's that actually did sound like a really good idea to me, which makes me think that he wouldn't have gone to Ademra, even given what the Cathay had told him. Except- I suppose after after that sentence, it does change my mind from yesterday's page. Right. Because I believe Nick and I were agreed in in that we thought that he was mostly doing it because of the Cathay. Yeah, exactly. But, and he doesn't but mention... But you're right that that sentence does kind of change the way I think about it. Right. He wants to sleep in a bed again. He wants to take advantage of the mayor's favor. And he wants to find Denna. Uh, and then he basically talks himself out of it. Now... It's also worth mentioning, if you're inclined to be less charitable to Quoth than I am, that he doesn't mention at all what the Cathay uh, told him about the Chandrian on this page. So he doesn't say if that's factoring into his decision or not. Um, But he just said it on the previous page. So, you know, potato, potato. Indeed. The only other interesting piece of information on this page that I'm locating is that The details that he gets from Tempe are painting an incomplete picture of the actual situation. What Tempe tells Quoth is that it's customary of someone like in Tempe's position to gain permission before he takes a student. What Tempe doesn't say is that it's not just customary, it's like an ironclad law and that Tempe is facing like capital punishment potentially for having broken this taboo in this way he is violating a really core tenet of his society and the consequences are dire but tempe doesn't put it that way to quote or at least that's not what quote is given to understand because as i recall when they get to ademra shaheen or whoever it is who kind of like tells quote what's really going on is like tempe didn't like fully explain this to you like the consequences might be like your death and tempe's like death or exile. That's my recollection. Well, it remains to be seen if that's true or not. So it seems like Quoth doesn't quite know what he's getting into. Okay. Yes. Reasonable. Although I suppose in the same position, uh, any, anyone might not know what they were getting into. Oh yeah. I'm not saying that it's like a failing of Quoth's that he doesn't know what's going on because I think Tempe is trying not to frighten him. Tempe is like, all right, he's agreed that he's going to come with me. I don't want to make this any worse for him than it has to be. So I'm not going to tell him just how bad it really is. Yes. Okay. Reasonable. Reasonable. Uh, you know what might also be reasonable? A letter? Yeah, a letter. Mailbag. We have a letter, a long letter from our friend Curtis, which I'm going to break up into chunks. The letter begins, Hello, Windcasters. You are back and it is a delight to me. I hope your break was rejuvenating. Heads up, I'm writing this at 3.50 in the morning, fueled solely by caffeine and spite, so please forgive me for any writing Uh errors or detours, which I force you to endure. In episode 764, sorry, 674, you have attempted to summon a physicist and have drawn me from out the other world thereby. Unfortunately, like all narratively enjoyable conjurings, I must disappoint you in some way. Alas, I am a poor physicist indeed. Maybe I will undergo a story arc in which, despite my maladroit limitations, I save the day with my physics skills, with your encouragement, but we all learn that there are more important things in life anyway. Thus, I shall endeavor to comment on some of the points which you raised. First, 
No physicist understands magnets. Do not let them fool you with their fancy Maxwell equations. We all secretly acknowledge that electromagnetism is a dark and arcane art which is not intended for mortal minds. Second, Fresnel demonstrated that light behaves as a wave in the 1830s. This dispelled the corpuscular theory of light which Newton advocated. This is arguably the second great unification in physics, after Newton's so-called universal unification. Slit experiments, not of the Fullerian kind, <laughs> but um, are the typical <laughs> way of demonstrating this behavior visually, but the fact that radios work is testament to it too. If you wish, I can go into more detail or give you some demonstrations. I really like Foth's assertion that light is a wave and the certainty that he has in it. This demonstration that he is educated in physics, no less, and that Temerant is advanced enough to even consider this question, let alone answer it. But there is also no way that this was not intentional, nor that Rothfuss is not aware of particle wave duality. He is winking to the reader, giving us an idea of where this culture is along its journey in our understanding of physics. Of course, I am here assuming that light does in fact behave as it does for us, with an extra layer of magic on top of it. Valerian demonstrates that light does not always behave for them as it does for us. Uh, so that's where I'm going to leave that letter. There's lots more. Uh, but what do you make of that, Jordana? Uh, I that, that Curtis is way smarter than I am. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> smarter than me, too, to be clear. At, le- at least much more knowledgeable on this particular subject, which is, of course, why we put out the call to our listeners who might be physicists. Just going through it point by point. Per- first of all, uh, Curtis, your loquaciousness, your your lugubriousness uh, puts me in mind of another great uh, fictional physicist, uh, the bouncing blue beast from the uh, X-Men franchise. Uh, listeners of this podcast shall know by now that I am uh, permanently, permanently brain poisoned by the X-Men in particular. Um, so that I'm definitely picturing you like hanging upside down from some gymnastics equipment while typing this on your laptop with your feet or something. Um, I am also gratified to learn that uh, physicists can acknowledge certain mysteries in this world that uh, have been put forward by the insane clown posse and remain true to this day, which is that nobody understands magnets. Rothfuss is not just tossing that the the factoid about light behaving as a wave to demonstrate that Quoth is clever, but also to demonstrate the limits of Quoth's cleverness, because we know now that light does not always behave as a wave. Sometimes it behaves as a particle. and the fact that Quoth thinks that he knows how light is supposed to behave, and we know that he's wrong, if we, if you understand contemporary optic physics, uh, is yet another example of the way in which Rothfuss is constantly pointing out that, like, just because you think you know everything doesn't actually mean you know everything. Indeed. This is why it's so much easier simply to be Jon Snow. Indeed. Uh, you know nothing except how to eat pussy. Uh, and on that note, we will leave it there for now, listeners, and return with more uh, factoids about physics and more factoids about Quoth on tomorrow's page. Uh, the Wee. Wee.